0: Hi, I'm your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to my weirdest experience podcast. This is the podcast of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. It's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hey, welcome to the show. I have Jay Schiffman here today as a guest. He is a vulnerable storyteller and he is the podcast host of Choose Your Struggle which is in the 0.2% of top 2.2% of all podcasts. Welcome to the show, Jay.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, so um one of Jay's expert area to talk about is storytelling and as many of my audience members know that is the basic premise of the My Weirdest Experience podcast is to share stories with each other and not just conventional stories weird unusual experiences which we all have I believe we all have but not necessarily sharing but it's important to share and this is a safe space to do so a non-judge a non-judgment zone so how did you get into storytelling jay
1: well i've always enjoyed uh i guess i'll say it this way i've always enjoyed entertaining people uh, ever since i was little and as an adult uh, I uh, entered recovery from an issue of, of addiction and, and uh, struggle with my mental health and substance misuse in 2010. But I kept that all to myself for about five years. And mostly that was because the stigma around these topics is, is very real. You know, the way we talk about people who struggle with these issues is uh, very damaging. And in 2015, I had a buddy who, who runs a storytelling uh, service and event here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I'm from, and he invited me to tell my story uh, on stage at his event. And I said no multiple times. I was very scared to do so. But I finally said yes. And, and when I did, it was one of the most uh, enjoyable and, and healing things I've ever done, I've felt like uh, this, this weight had been lifted off my shoulders. I wasn't keeping this giant secret about myself anymore. And the the response was tremendous. People came out of the woodwork to, to say how proud they were of me and how amazing and, and all this kind of stuff it was. And uh, the, the ball started rolling from there. And so that experience that one night really transformed my life and and, in I started doing this work you know telling my story encouraging other people to tell theirs doing public speaking all this kind of stuff and I took that full-time in 2019 and so for the last going on three years um, I've been a you know full-time storyteller storyteller, speaker, podcast host, uh, uh, live virtual storytelling event host, I'm writing a book. I mean, all this stuff that really revolves around uh, sharing our stories and helping to end stigma and educate about these important topics.
0: And why is it so important to share these stories? You know, no matter how difficult they are, why should someone share something difficult and painful that they went through?
1: That's a great question. So I, I, I believe there's three reasons. Number one, of course, is to entertain. And, and, you know, if you think about the history of of the human race, uh, it is all around storytelling, right? Some of the, the, the most epic uh, tales that we know of were originally uh, told in story form. So that's number one. Uh, it's, it's literally how our brains work. You know, we learn more from hearing a story than we do from just facts and figures. Number two is that, as I say on my show, and as I say just day to day a lot, it's hard to hate up close. You can think something about a person or an ex- or a group of people or people who do this and that and all this kind of nonsense. But when it's that person telling you about their experience in a vulnerable way, it automatically elicits empathy from you, even if you don't want it to even if you are resistant, your brain connects with their experience, because again, that's how we learn. And so you will start thinking, Oh, wow, I know what this particular part of that feels like, or, you know, I, um, I've never been through that, but it's similar to this. And I've been through this. So so that is how we 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 break down that wall is is we we tell these stories, and we connect with people and people feel that empathy for us. But the third piece is, is it establishes credibility, right? We we are in this environment, we live in this society where people with, uh, I, I would say, I, I like to call it learned experience, are sort of revered, you know, if, if you go to a conference, half the people, if not more, are going to have a string of letters at their name. You know, it's unlikely that a person like me is going to draw a crowd at, let's say, um, you know, a Brookings event. But if somebody who is the head of Boston General is there, now you're talking, right? But the thing is, what's what's so important, I think, to to sort of underscore here is that those people... People as amazing as they are, and we need their work because they do all this research and it's what we run with. They don't know what it feels like to live through these experiences. And so, if I walk up to you on the street and I start talking to you about addiction, you're gonna be like, okay, but who is this guy? But if I tell you my story, if I spend five, 10 minutes helping you understand what it felt like to go through withdrawals, what it felt like to be at the absolute depth of my addiction. And you're going to listen to me. Then you're going to go, OK, tell me about your thoughts on this subject. And I'm going to be seen as an expert because I live this. And so uh, it, all three of those reasons of, of entertainment, of, of promote, uh, provoking em- empathy and helping break down stigma and of establishing yourself as a credible source on a topic are all things that come from storytelling.
0: Yeah. And you made a really important point about how we learn from stories and how we don't really take much from statistics. Um, I always like to picture our ancestors sitting around the fire at night, you know, and for entertainment, they would tell stories of their history or learning stories or You know, a lot of the indigenous peoples, their oral history was not written down. It was passed down through stories for thousands and thousands of years. So like the Aborigines had stories about their history and now science is catching up and saying, wait a minute, we can actually verify this happened. And they've been talking about this the whole time in their oral history,
1: yeah, that is a fantastic point and and you know it, it it again goes back to i think uh i I spent a couple of weeks uh this would have been about i don't know a year ago during covid uh, I came in and recorded my one of my grandmother's just telling family stories, and I did that because these aren't written down anywhere. These are stories that if something was to happen to her and obviously knock on wood, that she shall be around for still a long time, um, but these would all be lost. And so I recorded these uh, to preserve them and and, and they are important uh, origin stories for my family. And, and it mattered a lot to me to to make sure that we were able to continue to hand, hand these down to the next generation.
0: Yeah, that reminds me of my dad's cousin is still alive. She's in her 80s. And I don't get to see her that much. But she's one of the few people that grew up with my father. And he died 30 years ago. So I can't ask him these questions. And grandma's gone. And my aunt's gone. And my cousin's gone. And, but she'll give me an earful. And I actually talked to her on the phone. And I wrote notes on what she was saying because she was just telling me so much that I didn't know and I wanted to remember it somehow. Yeah. So yeah, those stories are precious. So what kind of stories would you like to share with the audience with my audience?
1: Okay, Jay. <laughs> Oh man! So, so for full context here, I uh, my sort of day to day is I do host a podcast called Choose Your Struggle, and it starts every episode with these these incredible guests who all. Th- there's sort of the rule is they all have to have learned and lived experience and and what that means is they you know i do have some incredible researchers um but they can't be people who just oh i thought this would be an interesting topic to study no they need to have some personal connection to the topic and so uh we spend the first five minutes hearing their story and and then again as i kind of said earlier it establishes their credibility But beyond that, I also host two live virtual storytelling events. Right now, they're virtual because of COVID. Obviously, the the goal is to to take them in person. So I love a good story if you can't hear that. Now, for me personally, there are a couple that I sort of fall back on. Um, Just recently, actually, I told uh, a story that I... I like to call the Wendy story it it is um, when I was at my lowest I spent three months in a long term care facility. Uh, This was back in 2009. uh, And and for those who don't understand that code, uh, long term care facility is now what we call mental institution. And uh, in there, I stopped a a friend of mine from committing suicide. And that was a very difficult story to tell. Uh, I put it out on one of my storytelling platforms and then replayed the audio on my podcast. Heard back from a number of my listeners like, wow, that that was a hard story to hear. Uh, And and I think that was sort of the height of of my personal one. But I've also, you know, uh, I was on a podcast not long ago where this this is probably the most ridiculous story I have to tell uh, that I think you may appreciate because of the name of your show. Uh, when I was trying to be a professional writer living in New York in 2000, and what would that have that been 13? Uh, when they had the Super Bowl in New York that year, I was hired to cover it for a website, a, a, a sports website. And uh, instead of watching the, the game or going to the game or doing something to, to do that, I ended up at a punk rock quote-unquote Super Bowl party in which we didn't actually watch the Super Bowl and the halftime entertainment was uh, two different teams cheering for hardcore pornography that was shown up on the wall. And it was just a wild experience of something that uh, it was just like once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing of, of here I was being paid to cover this event and I didn't even watch it. Uh, so it, it it's... My storytelling, I think, runs the gamut of it has a lesson and on one end or it's just entertainment on the other end, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So what is one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to you or synchronistic or kind of wild experience you've ever had?
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, weirder than than the, the Super Bowl party. That's that's uh, that's hard to, to, to think <laughs> of um, for 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 me. Uh, you know, I, I think that so I'll say this generally and, and this this may sound a little cheesy, but but I, I truly, truly believe this. That sometimes just saying yes to experiences leads to pretty amazing uh, and memorable uh, uh, nights and, or, or periods at all and again those sometimes are very life changing like I said the Wendy story was I was terrified to to intervene but it was the right thing to do and, and, and as my dad once said to me and this was the reason I finally told my story on stage for the first time um, being afraid or being scared is never a good reason not to do something and, and, and using that as my motivation has, has really led me to do uh, some, some pretty incredible things. And, and um, I, I think every storyteller and every person period can probably identify with that. Wouldn't you think?
0: Yeah, definitely. Do you want to tell that so story back... on the podcast or something else coming up for you?
1: I'm happy to tell whatever while, while I was, but, but I was actually wondering, so so as someone who, who truly, as, as you do, appreciates the power of the story, uh, does that resonate with you in terms of some of your most incredible moments coming from times where you simply just said, you know what, sure, let's see what happens?
0: Well, you know what, I think the fear, when you feel afraid of something, Combined with a little excitement means that your soul is telling you do this. That this is important. If you didn't feel anything and you'd be like, eh, I could care. I don't care. Either way doesn't mean much to me. It's probably not important. But if there's a little fear thrown in there, you know, a little excitement, then this is something that your soul is is kind of encouraging you to do take a look at this you know take a second look third look you know
1: that was uh beautifully said and i i think we should we should uh clarify too that we're not talking about the type of fear like uh let's say that i felt before jumping out of an airplane for the first time right this is a very different soul level fear i I like that i like that the use of that word there
0: well, have you ever heard of yeah. Eck, Eckhart, um, um, Eckhart Tolle? He's an author and The name rings teacher. a bell, but
1: tell me, tell me okay. why.
0: So I'm listening to his book right now called The Power of Now. And he talks a lot about fear. And that the mind and the ego wants to keep you in fear. And that your higher self doesn't fear anything. And that the mind is connected to time, and so that's the power of now is to stay in the now, so that the mind is not controlling you. It's your eternal soul and consciousness that is the true reality. So I love, I love, wow. I listen to him in the morning when I go drop off my daughter <laughs> at school. <laughs> For that's
1: uh, that was that was powerful.
0: For some, for some reason, you know, I've, I've listened to him. He's been on Oprah. I've listened to him before. Um, and he didn't really uh, resonate with me, but right now he's resonating with me because he's reminding me of what I need to focus on right now. But anyway, I just brought that up because he was talking about fear. Um, and mm-hmm. that fear was an official con, you know, on, artificial construct that we're actually completely safe and immortal souls just having a temporary experience on the planet
1: well that i'm gonna have to look this up that is beautiful i would love to to learn more from from him so that actually it's interesting so uh i think okay so so with the nature of your show how about uh this is one i tell sometimes how about the time I ended up at a hospital while at a nudist festival? How does that sound?
0: <laughs> Why is your all your unusual stories have to do with being naked?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so I will say that I was not I I, I wasn't one of the nudists. Um, that is the the sort of context of this. So so this takes place. Uh, in the summer of 2009, um, like I said before, this was—I was at my worst with addiction at the time. Uh, and, and for more context, there again, my my struggle came from uh, a misdiagnosis in my teenage years of of bipolar disorder. Um, I don't have bipolar disorder. Uh, there was a obviously a much longer story there. Um, but by my, by my early 20s, I was taking handfuls of drugs multiple times a day. These are all prescription pills. And of course, there were other things mixed in because when your body and mind are going so haywire, um, you know, the, I would smoke a lot of weed every day to sort of calm me down. I was taking a lot of psychedelics to get out of my reality because of how depressed I was and all that kind of stuff. Um, but that summer, I I spent a lot of time traveling around the Midwest in, in, in sort of the upper part of the country following a band around And going to music festivals and living out of my car, because I'll say this namely, because I felt I felt connected, I felt seen, I felt accepted at music festivals. Right. And, you know, when you're when you're uh, at the place that I was at the time, taking a lot of drugs, feeling very alone in the world, there's really no better place than at these festivals where everybody kind of feels different. Everybody doesn't feel that day to day life fits them that well. And we kind of all come together in these settings. And so I felt I felt home in, in in these in these places, and there was a band that uh, their name is the Ragbirds. Um, they're from Michigan, and I saw this band perform uh, at at a small music festival and just fell in love with their sound and and, and just loved uh, it. They, they they're folk and they're spiritual, and I love the messages of of their songs. And uh, I found I, I, I found out from their manager that they were going to be performing at this nudist festival uh, in, in a week. Uh, and, and so I left the festival we were at and drove straight to this other one. And to get in free, I volunteered to work for the week. So, again, to make that clear, I was not going to be nude. I was going to, to work to help provide these uh, fun experience for, for the people. So I I worked for the week as a bartender at at the bar that we, we built in the woods. I helped build it. um, And, and, you know, was lugging kegs around washing glasses and all that kind of stuff for a week. And uh, like I said, I've been traveling uh, at this point for about three weeks uh, for maybe almost a month with the same tent. And it was a cheap tent I bought at Walmart, nothing special. And so the first day of this, of this festival, uh, which was in a nature preserve in the woods in the middle of nowhere, uh, I, I set up my tent and the door breaks. And I'm like, you know what? Go with the flow. It's summer. It's nice. Who cares? Uh, well, unfortunately, what I didn't know was that this area was home to brown recluse spiders. Mm. And yeah, <laughs> uh, you know where this is going. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So the literally the first night I get bit. Uh, on my stomach, and um, for those who are not aware, it, the brown recluse is the second most poisonous spider in the world after the black widow. Uh, now what because th- they're very small, if you're a bit you, you get on antibiotics, everything is okay. Well, you know at the time, again, I'm living in the middle of the woods. I'm there for this festival. I'm volunteering. So I wake up with a small bump on my stomach and you know uh, honestly i felt not i felt nothing of it i, I thought nothing of it I-, I i'm 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 in a point in my life where a new bump is not a thing to think much about you know so especially, if you're, week- camp-
0: especially if you're camping
1: yes yeah. yeah um so so throughout the week um uh, my it- bump was getting bigger um you know, especially because I'm not showering a lot. You know, there's like three showers for all the people who are, are, are working this thing. And there's, you know, maybe a hundred of us that are working to put on this festival for for a thousand people. It's that small, uh, in the middle of these woods. And um I'm starting to not feel good as the week goes on, uh, tired, dehydrated, that kind of thing. But again, in this environment, none of this was out of the norm. I'd been on the road for a month. I'm I'm living out of my car eating what is available, drinking water when I can, using a lot of drugs by the end of the week, though, I could not avoid one one fact, and that was that I had, for all intents and purposes, grown a third breast on <laughs> my stomach. it was no. enormous. <laughs> uh, and like every female, wearing,
0: every female listening to this is cringing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, as you should be. Um, uh, uh, and, and to make it even worse, uh, my attire for this week was wearing sort of an a open vest. And so I looked very odd with this giant thing growing out of my belly. And... Uh, finally, the, the, you know, this, I, I get there on Sunday, and by fr- and that's the night I get bit. And on, by Friday, I am suffering vertigo. Uh, I am delirious. Uh, my, my, I become friends, obviously, with all the other people working there. And I, I collapse in the woods, and they rush me to the hospital. And, of course, I'm diagnosed immediately with uh, blood poisoning from this brown recluse. I'm put on uh, an a IV of antibiotics. Uh, I spend uh, the day in the, in the hospital, the day and the night. I, I stay overnight. Um, they call my, my family. Um, I, I'm incoherent. I don't know what's going on around me, so they have to get my family's approval for treatment and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what's so ironic <laughs> so about all of this is I miss the first set of the band I'd gone to see. Um. so the next day I get out of the hospital, I'm on antibiotics, I, I'm, I can't drink, I, you know, but I go back to this festival, obviously. And um, in the meantime, some of the other workers there had told the band this story of this guy who had followed them around. Uh, this was now the third time I had seen them and ended up in the hospital and what's so amazing about this is that one of their big songs is called "Tarantella," which, if you're if if you know your, your etymology, uh, that it, it's literally about a spider bite and dancing out the venom. So I'm back. I'm kind of woozy. You know, I'm not really myself, but I'm sitting there uh, enjoying this show. And they they close with this song, "Tarantella." And they dedicate it to Spider Bite J. <laughs> and uh, they call me up and I'm, I get to, to come up and enjoy the show uh, up on stage. And here's what I think is, well, what I think is the most amazing part of this. We end up becoming friendly, the band and I. And um, I see them at numerous other shows. Uh, and, and when they come to Cincinnati, where I was born and raised, I would go, go hang out with them. And uh, in December of, of uh, 2018, my wife, the the amazing woman that she is, surprised me on the the night of our uh, our rehearsal dinner, the night before our wedding, uh, by bringing in the Ragbirds to play our rehearsal dinner. And uh once again they dedicated the song Tarantella to their good friend Spider Bite Jay. So uh it is a happy ending, even if <laughs> to get there was a little bit uh a little bit ridiculous and a little bit tumultuous.
0: So you're uh something's growing on your stomach at any point, do you go, I need to go see a doctor about this?
1: Uh, Well, if I didn't make this clear <laughs> enough in the story, my head was not in the best place at the time. <laughs> and, and I did not, um, I did not uh, for one minute, I, maybe I did say, God, this is getting ugly. I should go <laughs> take hop. And, and, and you could, I mean, you know, when you get swelling like that, uh, you could see the spider bite. I mean, it very. everybody there was like, oh, yeah, that's a spider bite. But because I, I think it's a leap to go straight from spider bite to brown recluse, this could kill you if you don't go get it yeah, treated. Yeah, right. There was at least some reluctance by me to, to, to leave this festival to go do this. But it really got to that point where I could no longer um, deny that I was in trouble.
0: Yeah, so it's like, I don't know if you've ever had poison ivy, but... Poison ivy starts out with just a couple little red bumps, like you just got a couple mm-hmm. of bites, and then it just gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> until you realize, you know, oh my God, I got poison ivy. But do you want to know the spiritual symbolism of spider, what it means? Sure. So, since you got bitten by one, spider is the weaver of the web of fate. It, Represents creativity, divine inspiration, understanding the pattern of illusion, and female energy of the creative force.
1: I love it that that is uh, if if even a little bit of that what has been embarked or uh, imparted into me, I am a very lucky guy.
0: <laughs> so, spider was trying to get your attention. So,
1: well, I'll tell you this the, the, the Brown Recluse got my attention and it got the attention <laughs> of everybody around me for a week.
0: <laughs> but then you became friends with the band. So,
1: yes, and, she, and it was definitely worth it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I know that you have addiction in your past, you're recovered. Um, was there a pattern of addiction in your family?
1: No, there wasn't. And because of that, I am in the minority. Um, You know, we know uh, if one parent struggles with addiction or or any sort of misuse of of substances, you're five times more likely as a child. And if both parents, you are nine times more likely, it's almost a guarantee that you will at least struggle with misuse, if not full-blown addiction. So I am in the minority there. However, uh, we do know also that one of the major factors of struggling with any sort of addiction is uh, uh, issues issue of mental health in, in the, the family's history. And that I think like most families I do have. And so um, it, it, I I am a strong proponent of teaching these things at a younger age because I think it can only help bring more awareness and also help people keep an eye out because If I had known the signs of addiction, if I had known the signs of of struggling with misuse, I would have known earlier on, oh, wow, I am struggling here. I have a problem. I need help.
0: Yeah. And um, right now I'm reading a lot about trauma. And one of the books that I'm reading is called It Didn't Start With You, How Inherited Family Trauma Shapes Who We Are by Mark Wolin. And he I just, I'm still in the book, but he's saying, um, if there isn't a pattern, you know, you're saying there's a pattern of mental illness, but not addiction. Look at your parents, grandparents, and great parents, great grandparents. Because a lot of that trauma and emotions get passed down from generation to generation. So you could be feeling something from your ancestors that needs to get healed, that's coming up for healing. So the point is, it doesn't always come from you. (laughs) It could, but be aware of, you know, try to be aware. I know it's a struggle because our grandparents, even our parents, they didn't talk about you know, what happened to them. They usually were silent on it. But um, I'm the family tree keeper, And I, one of those people that tries to put myself in my ancestor's shoes and try to figure out what happened to them, kind of like a detective. <laughs> <laughs> so you can pretty yeah. much surmise, you know, what they went through and the timeline that they lived in and and all of that so I don't know if you well, like that's to- such
1: important work and, and and I'm sure people in your life tell you this but thank you for doing that
0: you're welcome yeah well Jay I enjoyed talking to you um like your episode 30 and Jay shared with me that most podcasters give up by episode 25 so I've passed the hurdle yay
1: <laughs> not only most but um I believe I couldn't remember if it was 90 or 95% so yes you are past the hurdle congratulations and welcome to this side of uh that 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 hurdle
0: well I'm definitely going to keep going um because i meet really interesting people like jay so what's not to love about that so (laughs) jay share where people can contact you um if they would like to they'd like to see you speak where are you speaking and all that information
1: well, right now, uh, you can find all the info you need at j a y s h i f m a n J-A-Y-S-H-I-F-M-A-N.com. And search for me on social media. I'm either J Shiftman or Choose Your Struggle at every social media site. And find the Choose Your Struggle podcast wherever you get your podcast. Wherever you're listening right now, don't turn off this episode. Keep, keep listening because that's the most important thing. But also, go over to your search bar and search for Choose Your Struggle.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Jay. And if you ever want to come back on the show, let me know. And it was a pleasure talking to you.
1: It was. Thank you so much for having me. I love storytelling and I appreciate people like you who are working to bring it back to people's lives.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you have a weird experience to share, Please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on TinaKinneyClark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.